So like I said, this morning we're looking at 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Um, the word love in this um, in, is used in all of 1 John 43 times. And in this section that we studied for today, plus the first three verses of chapter 5, the word love is found 32 times. So out of 43 times in the letter, 32 of those times are in um, the section chapter 4, verse 7 through chapter 5, verse 3. So maybe you are like me when you started studying this passage for this lesson, um, you felt a little bit like you were going in circles because the word love happens so many times. Um, but this is another example of that structure that we've been talking about um, all semester. What's it called? Say it loud. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Amplification. So obviously John is circling back once again to this theme of love. And, um, and he will expound a little bit further on what loving like the Lord Jesus does means for us as Christ followers. Um, so in this lesson, we will be looking at love, which mostly is focused in the first five verses, um, abiding um, how abiding in God and God in us affects our ability to love the way he does. And then this word perfected or perf perfect or perfecting. Um, so let's just go right ahead and start in verse 7. John says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. So John's telling us that this love that we need to have in our lives is indicative of having confessed that Jesus is the only way to salvation and is the Son of God. So when we confess that Jesus is the Son of God, when we recognize that he's the only way to salvation, the love of the Father is birthed in us, and we are then able to love one another. And so when we see that love in our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus, it is confirmation that, yes, in fact, um, we have acknowledged that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is the only way to salvation. So this love that we have for one another as Christ followers is not separate from a faithful confession of Jesus as the Son of God. Rather, it is a manifestation of a, a, the acknowledgement that Jesus is the Son of God and the only way to salvation. Verse 8 says, But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So again, the lack of love shows that there's not been a fundamental change in the core of their being by the gospel message. Or another way to say it is the seed of grace has not taken root and begun to display the fruit of love. So that idea, I'm not, uh, the possibility of not showing love to our brothers and sisters or um, the possibility of not showing love to our brothers and sisters being an indication that we don't have um, the seed of grace in our lives could 
possibly cause anxiety in, in us. Um, but we need to not let that question cause us fear, but instead um, generate some more questions in us. Um, I think when we come up against a situation in our lives where we think, oh, I'm not showing love to my brothers and sisters, does that actually mean that I'm not a follower of the Lord Jesus? Um, I think if we step back and ask the question, is there progress in my, in my heart toward loving other believers more? Can I look back over the course of my relationship with the Lord Jesus and see that when I began as a Christ follower, my love for my brothers and sisters was here, but over the course of time, whether it be weeks, months, years, decades, has that love and my ability to um, manifest that love in my life and to show that to others, other Christ followers, has that grown? Um, can I look back and see that there has been progress? Do I recognize, even right now, do I recognize that I can love my brothers and sisters more? That I'm not meeting the mark, but there, but there is a way by the power of the Holy Spirit for me to love more. Um, and um, do I recognize that need? And because of recognizing that need, am I practicing righteousness by practicing to love better? So not just sitting back and saying, yeah, my love kind of misses the mark, but mm, too bad. But am I actually practicing? Am I putting myself into particular situations? Am I stretching? Am I growing? Am I um, increasing my love muscle by um, taking steps that maybe I hadn't taken in the past in order to show the love of the Lord Jesus to our brothers and sisters? So John goes on in verses 9 and 10. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And so with this, John points back to the example of love that we saw in chapter 3 the love that we need to hold up as our definition and model. Um, that love where um, it says that Jesus gave his own life for us. Um, that's the kind of love that we're talking about. That is the kind of love that is to be displayed in us to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, this is obviously a very different kind of love than what our culture says love is. Our culture says love is more like whatever um, is self-promoting, whatever is self-actualizing, whatever feels um, like it lifts you up, then that is love. Um, and God's definition example says that love actually is self-sacrificing. Um, I think when we say love is self-sacrificing and we look to the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus gave us, um, we can get tripped up and think, well, his love was manifest in actually physical death, and I'm, that's not really what I'm going to be doing on a daily basis. Um, so it's wise for us to think through what are some ways that I can practice self-sacrifice um, when it's not going to be costing my life. Um, 
So for some examples that came to mind as I was studying what were I can learn to be graciously interruptible. Um, I can learn to keep my mouth closed. Um, I can learn to give away my cherished time. Um, and I can learn to help someone who doesn't even recognize that I am dying to self in that moment. Um, I just had to laugh last week when I was studying for this lesson. I received what a, I considered a rather inconvenient phone call from a family member asking for immediate help on a new uh, device. It was not in my plan to have free time to um, help a family member with a new device. Um, but I couldn't get away from the fact that I was literally studying this lesson um, when I got the phone call. I mean, like I was typing up this exact outline and I get the phone call. Um, so the family, came, family member came over um, right during the quietest time of my day for exactly the same amount of time that my day was going to be quiet. Um, because I was watching my granddaughter that day, and um, the family member came five minutes before my granddaughter went down for her nap and stayed for the entire nap, and my granddaughter woke up five minutes before the family member <laughs> left. Um, so like I said, I was literally in the middle of creating this outline when I got the phone call, and, but I think I needed to be in the middle of creating this outline um, when I got that phone call because... Um, I'm very task-oriented, and I'm um, very quick to rationalize that my task is more important than my relationships. Um, and so even as I sat and helped this family member with this new device, um, I was battling with myself because um, I was thinking, they... I'm sacrificing my time for them, but they don't even know that I'm sacrificing <laughs> my time. They're not acknowledging that this was an inconvenience for me. Um, I'm so quick to put tasks before people. And I, the Lord Jesus knew that the only way that I was going to experience this opportunity for growth um, was to literally be in the middle of studying First John 4 um, when I got that phone call so that maybe the next time I get interrupted, I might be a little bit more quick to be graciously interrupted and a little more quick to lovingly help even when the person isn't acknowledging that um, I am sacrificing myself for them right, th right now. And just a side note, I can help anyone who needs help with a consumer cellular smartphone now. <laughs> Never worked one of those before last week, but I can help you. So new skill for me. Yeah. So uh, one more thing from verses 9 and 10 that just stuck out to me. And it's one of those basic foundational truths of the gospel that I have heard countless times in my life, that I've read countless times in my life, that I'm, but I'm struck by it frequently. And this, during, when I was studying these verses, it struck me again. God loved us before he sent a sacrifice, right? Before Jesus came, God loved us. 
Jesus was a sacrifice before we loved him in return. And like I said, that's a basic tenet of the gospel, that God loved us first and then we loved him. But it just struck me that he was willing to sacrifice. It struck me again that he is willing to sacrifice himself before the people that he was sacrificing himself for ever began to show any inclination to him. So again, it goes back to that last suggestion, helping someone who doesn't even recognize that you are dying to self. Just that understanding that often our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ is going to come before that person that you are loving ever recognizes that you're loving them and ever, ever recognizes that you're sacrificing anything for them. Um, And that was a really important reminder for me as I was studying. Let's go on to verse 11. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, that much that he died for us, we surely ought to love each other. So if God's love is displayed before we were in right standing with him, that ought to affect how we love one another. We don't wait for someone to agree with us or to get their act together before We love them. And then verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Um, In the ESV, it says God's love is perfected in us. And we're going to get into that that word perfected in a little bit. Um, But um, the bottom line is John is telling us that when we love God's love is made more manifest in the world around us. So um, the example that came to mind is if one person were standing in a room with 50 people and one person has a candle, the light is there and everybody in that room can see that there is light in the darkness. Um, But as soon as 37 other people in the room have that light in our hand, are holding it, the, the light is still there, but now it is more manifest. And so when we, as God's children, as Christ's followers, love one another, love each other, um, love the brothers and sisters, God's love is more visible to all of the people around us. God's, more, God's love is more visible to us as his, as his children, as, as Christ followers, but it's also more visible to the world um, who it comes into contact with it, the people who aren't Christ followers who come into contact with us and see us loving our brothers and sisters um, in the Lord Jesus. So it's a matter of um, the, the love being more manifest rather than um, the love reaching a new level of perfection. Um, So it's more fully expressed when the love of the Lord Jesus is seen in us for our brothers and sisters. So let's go on to verses 13 to 16. And John says, And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. 
so this living in him and him in us um, can get a little confusing. The language can get a little confusing, but it can um, all be put under the umbrella of something called reciprocal abiding. So God lives in us. We live in him. God abides in us. We abide in him. Um, it, it is a continual, continual state of in us, in him, in us. Um, so love, the thing that John is saying here is that loving one another is only possible if we have the spirit living in us, which then ends up being kind of another proof that God is living in us because we can't have God's love for one another. We can't engage in agape love. That is a supernatural kind of love. We can't um, come close to loving people the way that God loves us unless we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Um, and so when we love as God loves, that's another indication that we, in fact, have um, accepted Christ's salvation, gift of salvation, that we are his, we are um, the children of the Father, um, and that we do have the Spirit living in us. We are only able to testify that Jesus is the Son of God if we have the Spirit living in us. Um, and going back to the lesson that Christine taught on um, the, the last paragraph of John, 1 John 2 and the first paragraph of 1 John 4, um, talking about false teachers and antichrists, they do not testify that Jesus came in the flesh. And, um, and they do not testify that Jesus is the Son of God and the only Savior of the world. A false teacher is someone who ultimately is pointing others to themselves and not to the one true God. Um, what, this, what John is telling us in, in these few verses is that by the Holy Spirit, we are able to confess that Jesus is Lord um, and that we are able to live a life that shows that Jesus is Lord of our lives only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so let's go on to verse 17. John says, And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. So here's that word perfected again. Um, and I felt like, um, as I, I have read this throughout my life, I've always felt like the word perfected is maybe a difficult word for us to get our minds around. Um, I have always felt like this was a word that was maybe not the greatest word for the translation, um, just because of our understanding of that word perfect and trying to think through how something that is related to the one true God could be less than perfect because he is perfect. So how does that make sense? Um, and really what this word in the Greek is saying is to be made complete um, or um, as we just saw earlier in chapter four, um, when talking about God's love being perfected in us, it's really reaches its fullest expression. So it's this understanding of fullness, of completeness, um, rather than perfection in the sense of something that was imperfect and now is being made perfect. Um, 
God's love has always been perfect and always will be perfect. And so it's not a matter of there being imperfection in, um, in God's love. Um, so when we see ourselves loving in a way that is beyond our capacity, we will know that we've been born of God. Um, because when we love, it is actually in that situation, when we're li- loving beyond our capacity, um, it, we can know that it's actually God loving through us and his love then reaches its fullest expression when his love is manifest to others through us. And then verse 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his love. So that phrase, such love, um, it's that love that's being completed, love that is sourced in God abiding in us. That's where the love comes from. That's where it is um, flowing out of. Again, it's not sourced in us just kind of pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps and like working harder to love. Um, it's sourced in recognizing that we are completely loved. We are lavishly loved daughters of the King. That is our our um, foundational identity is who I am because of what the Lord Jesus has done for me. And from that, we are then the well of love springs forth because he is our source of loving, um, loving one another. So this love also results in us being confident on the day of judgment. Um, Again, that Um, alludes back to chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, just the understanding that um, God says it. God tells you that you are his child if you have acknowledged that Jesus is the only way to salvation and that he is the son of God. You are God's child then. And what John says earlier in chapter 3 is that the spirit um, is greater than our hearts. And so when we begin to condemn ourselves... Like, oh, am I really a child of God? Um, We can say, no, I know I am a child of God because of what scripture tells me, because of what the Holy Spirit is telling me. Um, And I can be sure and certain that that salvation is secure in the Lord Jesus. So finally, verses 19 through 21. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Again, this is amplification on 1 John 3, verse 10, where John said basically the same thing. If you love God, you must love your brother. If you hate, the, if you hate your brother, you don't actually love God. So we need to love God, love those who God loves, um, because ultimately he died for them too. He died for those And he lavishly loves that person who cuts you off in the middle of your sentences. He died for and lavishly loves the person that doesn't recognize that you are trying so hard to love them well. And instead of accepting your kind words, throws them back in your face. He loves and loves that person lavishly too. 
he died for and lavishly loves that person that always knows how to press your buttons, that person that day in and day out takes you for granted and doesn't acknowledge your meaningful contributions to the group project. He died for them and lavishly loves them too. 1 John 4.12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. When we love one another, God's love reaches its fullest expression in and through us. His love is amplified in us. It's as if people get a sneak peek of who God is when we love well. So what will that look like for you today? What will loving well in an uncomfortable situation look like for you today? As you seek to love your brothers and sisters, God's love reaches its fullest expression. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your great, unimaginable sacrifice that you made for us. There are not words to express, Lord Jesus, our gratitude. I ask that you would just continue to fill us with more love for you, that you would draw our hearts to you and um, let that love overflow into the lives of those that you um, have entrusted to us. Um, open our eyes for opportunities to stretch those love muscles and to um, push past the discomfort so that we can truly be um, a fuller manifestation of your love to the people you've placed in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you, and we ask that you would help us to love you more. In your name, amen.